app, if you would open it to Luke chapter 1. We're going to continue our Advent series on prayers of Advent. And today we're going to look at what happens when you experience the call of God. Sometimes the call of God comes because God is pressing you about a situation or a need, or perhaps he's actually just calling you to himself. He's not just giving you a front row seat to the work of God. He's actually inviting you into participation in the work of God. And this sort of process can be very disturbing. In fact, in surveys of university students about religion and spirituality, one of the things they find is that many students who enter into genuine um, encounter with God during university might at times find it so disruptive that their anxiety increases. And we're like, oh my goodness, anxiety increasing? There's no way I have time for that. What, you mean God in my life might actually make me a little more disturbed and anxious? If you're in that wrestling time of trying to sort out what in the world is God up to, it's disruptive. And if you don't like disruption, you, you do a couple things. You shut it down, you run away, or maybe you say, I'm going to put that in the parking lot and someday I will come back to it. I hope. Maybe. Mm, maybe not. And so we set it aside. But one of the things I want to encourage you about is that every year at Christmas, we're confronted with how disruptive the call of God is. That somehow God does, just, does not just consign his work to angels. He actually gives his work and his life to people like you and like me, with real flesh and hair. Some of us have hair. And real people who also have real troubles and struggles in life. Who find that even in their life, the idea of saying yes to God and the potential that it's going to usher me into other problems is just too much. But I want to encourage you that there is nothing better than saying yes to God. To have a life of a series of yeses is the invitation that we find at Christmas. Let's read one of these invitations from Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin planned, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, 
you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God, will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. What was the angel's name? Gabriel. Do you know, I, I laugh when I read this because it says of Mary that she was troubled at his words. Um, the last two times in the scripture that we find that the angel Gabriel shows up, the two men who saw this angel were absolutely terrorized. Just a few months earlier, Zechariah had seen and met and had a conversation with Gabriel, and he was absolutely terrified. Hundreds of years earlier, in the book of Daniel, Daniel, in exile in Babylon, sees and has a conversation with Gabriel. He falls down, absolutely terrified. And Mary, she's just troubled at his words. At 14, maybe she didn't know enough to be afraid. I don't think this picture captures exactly what Gabriel looked like. I don't even know where this came from. It was here this morning. And I thought it was fitting, but that in no way captures the magnificence that Gabriel brought with him. But Mary was troubled with his words troubled with his words such that she began to ponder them and process them. In fact, it it's actually says that she's greatly agitated by his words. Let's look at his greeting. It is quite the greeting. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. With me? A teenager in Nazareth? In Galilee, a place that had been run over by powers every time they came to Israel on their way to Jerusalem. 
Mary in the place that was nowhere, who was pledged to be married, who was anticipating in her life what it might be the greatest thing she was looking forward to at 14, being married to Joseph, an arranged marriage, most likely. And so she's troubled with his words. When God arrives in order to call or to do something in our life, one of the things we have to grapple with is that it starts with God. God isn't actually here in a sense, but his emissary, Gabriel, fully represents him in order to speak to the words that come from God. It says, God sent Gabriel. God did this. God started ahead of time. And so even in my own life and your life, one of the things we need to recognize is that our responsiveness to God, our interest, our curiosity, our exploration of God has started because God moved first. God moved first. John would later capture this in saying, God loved first. God moved first. And so here in respect to Mary, who was just living her own life and living the dream. Where is my friend, Matthias? There he is. Living the dream. A very strong and brave young woman who wasn't terrified by the messenger, accepted his presence, but was troubled by his words. Prayer as an internal conversation with God or external as it goes, if you speak out loud when you pray. When God gets ready to call you, when God gets ready to invite you into his purposes, into his plan, you may experience a movement from fear to inquiry to actually getting aligned with his plan. Notice Mary she does have some kind of fear. And so the angel speaks to that quickly. Don't be afraid, Mary. Notice what he says there in verse 30. Do not be afraid. Many of us, when confronted with the moment in which God starts to do something in our lives, we do get afraid. Afraid of what others are going to think. Afraid of what our parents might say. Afraid of, is this going to create trouble in my life? Afraid about the security. Afraid about the challenges of obedience. Afraid of what we may lose. So many times in the scripture we find God calling people and people are afraid. Moses was afraid. He said, I can't speak. Gideon was afraid. He's like, I'm from a small tribe. I'm nothing. I'm nothing.
And so God speaks to the fears that we have by revealing that he has a plan. There's always something here in this movement where God begins to reveal, I have a plan. I'm inviting you to participate in it. Notice what he says to her, the angel here. says, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. Good, Sunday school. You're to give him the name Jesus. You know, right there. She should have been going, whoa. Because it, it, typically, this was the name that was common, but spoke of Joshua. Joshua. The one who saves. The one who saves. So here's, there's a promise here that some kid that she's going to give birth to is going to be a savior. It's going to be one who intervenes. Now, Joshua was a great warrior alongside Moses who led and led them into the establishment of their presence in the promised land. And so she should have had a little, oh, what's this? And he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. And at this point, there must have been something in her going, hmm, that's interesting. Son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever his kingdom will never end. Now, this Joshua, this Jesus, is not just a savior, he's a king. And he's going to be in the line of David, and he's going to reign and rule forever. So when we're afraid, God starts to say his plan. And his plan may actually cause us a little more fear. Or it may elicit some questions. It may start a conversation. Well, how can that be? How can I do that? And Mary just asked the obvious. Well, I'm still a virgin. How is this going to happen? She must have been thinking pretty quickly about this. If this is a birth announcement, I'm not pregnant yet. And so it began an inquiry and a conversation. Some of us, when we begin to hear that God has something in our life and has a plan for us and maybe is inviting us to participate in his purposes with a little more direction, begin to ask the how is this going to happen? How can I do this? How could I be a part of leading in the church? How could I be a part of reaching out to friends who don't know Jesus? I'm not perfect yet. I don't have everything together yet. I'm just an insignificant and small person. And so we have all of these questions of inquiry. Notice God gets on with revealing again. And this time, he's trying to reveal something not just about his plan, but about his power. Notice what God says here. 
or the angels answers, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The very one who is involved in creation is going to be involved in the creation of Jesus in her womb. That's mind-blowing. I don't know if that would have set me at ease. Would you have felt at ease and comfortable? And so the inquiry is continuing. And so the angel continues to give an example of the power of God. Notice the example. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. Now, we didn't read about Zechariah and Elizabeth, but I mentioned Zechariah because the angel showed up and scared him almost to death. And Zechariah's response was also fear and also to say, how? You know, my wife is old. He basically said barren and dried up. My wife is old. How is this going to be? And I'm old too, he confessed. And yet it came about. The power of God. And so sometimes God begins to show us again and remind us of his power, even as we're asking how. We may not see everything yet, but he reminds us of the mighty works of God on behalf of others. Mary did not ignore the truth, the truth about her. She says, I'm a virgin. I'm not pregnant yet. I'm not even married yet. It was the truth about her. And so God reveals the truth about himself. My Holy Spirit will come with power. And that's the same move that's offered to you and to me. God is not asking us to create something of new life in his kingdom in our own power. He's actually inviting us to be a participant and a vessel through which his power will work. And then finally, there's the alignment after this dialogue, and I know for some of us that dialogue could have gone on for months. For Zechariah, it went on for a little bit. He was quiet for over nine months. He couldn't speak. I think he had a long dialogue with God in his head. As he watched and loved his wife and then watched her become pregnant and this child to grow inside, and he did not speak until the day of that child's naming. He had a long dialogue with God. He had become aligned with the invitation of God. So from fear to inquiry to alignment, getting in line with God. How did Mary say it? She said, I am your servant. May your words be fulfilled to me, as you said. I am your servant. This is her speaking in respect to God. I am your servant. May your word be fulfilled. That's alignment. 
that's the move in which you say, I am not looking to be in control. It's actually a relinquishing of control. I am aligning myself with you, God. Alignment. It's the move that God invites us in. It's the internal conversation of prayer from fear to inquiry and dialogue with God and then simple alignment. I am your servant. Jesus himself commended that posture in life. But that posture must be fought for in many ways. It requires surrender. It requires relinquishment. It requires the decision of trust. My trust is not in myself, but in God himself. Let your word be fulfilled. One of my mentors, Dr. Dan Crawford, was a professor at the university or school in Texas, uh, Southwestern Seminary. And he was a mentor for both me and Ellen in evangelism, in prayer, in life, spiritual formation. And he was very interested in cities and God's mission. I didn't know it then, but what had happened in his life as a minister and as a missionary, began when he was 12 years old, perhaps younger than Mary in this story. At 12 years old, in grade six, the teacher said, I want you to write something for us. You need to write a paragraph about what you would like to be someday. How many of you love those assignments? I know my kids hated them. Every teacher wanted to give them by middle school, right? What are you going to be someday? What would you like to do? And he says, I have no idea why I said it. I wrote it down. In grade six, age 12, it was crystal clear in my mind. I will be a missionary to Canada. He said, I have no idea why. He says, I didn't know Canada existed except for the weather in Texas. You know, sometimes they say, oh, the weather came from Canada. He, didn't, he doesn't know why except that God put it in his heart that day to answer that question. And he held on to it for years, wondering how in the world is this going to happen? And so, for a season, he actually taught at the seminary in Calgary. And then he went back to Texas. He would pray for Canada. He would meet ministers and people across Canada and pray for them. And then one year, he had the opportunity to start a class that would go to cities. He had planned the class for Seattle and it fell apart. So in 1993, in July, he organized the class to come to Vancouver. And he invited all of us who had registered for it to come to Canada. 
And on that week, he began to glimpse and see what God was doing in his life. What started when he was 12 was that now he would actually be mobilizing people to share their life in the gospel in Canada. Last week, he retired. He promised he wasn't retiring from prayer, but he's not able to travel anymore. His doctor had said, no more traveling. But I'm in Canada because of a call of God intersecting with the call of God in his life. And that he said yes. And I had said yes years before. And my wife had said yes years before. And then it seems like God brought some of you to UBC. And you said yes to the offer. Right? Or maybe your parents said yes. Somebody said yes. But we would say it's not a mistake. God has brought you here to intersect in the lives of others and to be a part and participant in what he is doing in his kingdom and the life of Jesus. Now, for some of you, um, you had very polite angels, very polite messengers. Or maybe it was just a gentle whisper of God. But perhaps there, for some of you, there has been something that God has planted in your heart. And it's time to write it down. It's time to say it out loud. This is what God is inviting me to be a part of. And I haven't said it out loud ever. I keep wanting to ignore it. For Mary, Gabriel was hard to ignore. For myself, it was a reoccurring verse of Scripture that showed up in my life over and over and over, over an 18-month period, till I said, yes, okay, enough, yes. How many times do I need to see this verse in Romans 10? Everywhere I look. God is raising the question, who will go? Who will preach? Who will be sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So today, this is a moment of calling out the called. You might say, that's a strange thing at Christmas. But Christmas wouldn't have happened unless the called said yes. Jesus said yes. This same move of fear, inquiry, and alignment was present in the life of Jesus. It was present even right up to the night before the cross as he wrestled in the garden, troubled, fearing, in anguish, as he inquired with God, is there another way? And he says, but not my will. Your will be done. And the writer of Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, 
He endured the shame of the cross. And you are his joy and delight. So of course, Christmas is about calling out the called. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would move in us to have a series of yeses. So many times we want to be autonomous creatures as if the earth and cosmos is a closed system separate from your presence and plan and power. But there is no such thing in your kingdom. There is no such thing as an autonomous individual in your kingdom. Instead, we are all related and drawn in by the voice and work of you. May your word be fulfilled in our life. May we face this fear by hearing your plan. May we enter into an inquiry with you and recognize your power. And then would we surrender to your prevailing word in our lives. For no word of God will ever fail. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.